do that. Well, 23 years ago, this last March, this last March, 23 years ago, we began what I like to call a wild ride of faith and an adventure. Amen? At some point during these 23 years, at some point, each one of you, at some point, you got on with us to this wild ride and this wild adventure. Every one of us at some point got on to this and joined us in this. How many know that, that the walk of faith is an adventure? The walk of faith can sometimes uh, be a wild ride. Following God is not boring. I will promise you, following God is not boring. And, uh, and these 23 years have been a wild ride and an adventure in God. He's led us to places that have been just amazing. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes you get to the place when you're following God, you're, 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 you're going about a walk of faith that sometimes all you can do is just hang on. How many know there are times all you can do is just hang on and you trust him, you just trust that God will work all things together for those that, that love him, for the good of those who love him, those that are the called according to his purpose. You see, when we trust him and just say, God, look, I'm not letting go, I'm hanging on. God will take you and he will lead you to the right place and everything, he will work all of those adventures. We call them adventures. Sometimes they're really good adventures. Sometimes they're hard adventures, right? And, but he says, I'll work them all together. Now, I'm gonna share prophetically something that we have been talking about. The Lord has uh, revealed um, to us uh, prophetically uh, through Simon that what we are doing and what we have been is like a train. You, how many have heard the story? That I would, okay, so I want you to hear what I want to share. And specifically, we have been kind of like a green train. Okay, that's the prophetic illustration the Lord's given us. When we started out, this green train was kind of like a state-of-the-art, sleek, fast fast-moving train, moving down the track, sometimes at pretty high speeds. Along the way, we would stop at various stations, and we would, through various adventures, if you will, and I'm talking prophetically, along the way, we would stop at places, and some people would get off, and others would get on, like you. Every one of you here, at some point, you got on this train. And then we would keep going. We would keep going on the next adventure, what God's called us to do. And over the years, see if you relate to this, over the years, we've kind of gone through some valleys. I remember some of the valleys we've all gone through. We've gone through some of the valleys, and we've ascended a lot of mountains, right? Amen? And, uh, you know, the little, you think of the train and the little kid's story, I think I can, I think I can. Well, ours has been, in him we can do all things. In him we can do all, we can ascend this mountain. We can get through this valley. That's the way it's been, amen? And, uh, you know, we've navigated a lot of twists and turns around the mountains. So I give you this prophetic illustration of what God has led us on because we've seen a lot of really great sights Prophetically, we've seen and been. God has done such amazing things 
in us and around us that we've been able to experience. And, and a lot of people's lives have been changed. 23 years, there's a lot of people's lives have been changed. I believe this great adventure that we've been on has changed all of us in some way. Everyone, I know it's changed me. I'm a different person than I was 23 years ago. I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. I'm a different person than I was last year. Because of all that God's handiwork does when he leads us and he guides us, guides us and we hang on to what he's calling us to do. Well, now this old green train is getting ready for its final stop. Next Sunday, it will... It will pull into its last station. This old train, I believe, has served us well. Amen? It's not as shiny as it used to be, is it? <laughs> um, it's not as fast as it used to be. And uh, it doesn't, it's not as state-of-the-art as it used to be. But I'm going to tell you, this old train has been a good train. It's been a good adventure, a good ride. But when we pull up to this next station, this final station, every one of us, all of us, are going to get off. And this old green train will be decommissioned. Are you hearing me? This old green train that has served us well, that we've all gotten on and loved and enjoyed, and it's taken us on all these ventures, is going to be decommissioned. Why? Because its time is up. Its season is over. Amen? You know, the, the Ecclesiastes talks about times and seasons, and you have beginning of times, you have end of times, and the season for this old green train is finished. It's finished. And all of us, we're going to get off that green train, we're going to walk across a platform, and we're, we're going to wait for the next train. And a shiny, new, sleek, fast, state-of-the-art blue train is going to pull up at the station. And the doors are going to open wide, so everyone who wants to get in can are you hearing me, church? Everyone who wants to board this shiny new train can board. Now, there's going to be a bunch of people already on this train. And as you, these doors open and you see these people that are on this train, some are going to say, hey, would you come sit next to me? Hey, let me show you around, show you what I do and how you can find your place in, in this train. But I promise you this, every one of them are going to welcome the folks from the green train. The wide open doors are like wide open arms. And every one of us that choose, that will, get on this new blue train, every one of us are going to find our new place, our new seat, new place to stand, new place to serve. And then all of a sudden these, these doors are going to close. We're going to hear the sound of the conductor say, welcome to the blue train. Let's go. And folks, at that moment, we begin a brand new adventure. You see, we have to remember this is not, this is not just the end of a season. It's the beginning of, of a season. 
God has great adventure for all of us. He's got plans. He's got dreams. And we get on this new train and, and we hear this voice, let's go. And the question for all of us is this. Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you prepared? Are you focused? Amen? Amen. So two years ago, this last January, our board of directors unanimously made a decision to sell this building. That's how we've come to this point. At that time, we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know where we were going to go. We didn't know how we were going to do it. But the word the Lord gave us was take one step at a time. Take one step of faith at a time according to what he reveals to us. Now, over these last two years, I've had people stop me and say, say, well, where are you going? I'd say, I don't know. I've had people stop and say, well, what are you going to do? And I'd say, I don't know. And some of these people, I got the sense that they were saying, this is irresponsible. This is not right. You see, what I want you to understand, the Bible tells us that the word of the Lord is foolishness to the world. The walk of faith is foolishness to the world. Why? Because sometimes we say, I don't know. All I know, but he knows. And I've got him. I'm hanging on to him. And you know what? I don't care if I don't know. I'm following him. Amen? See, the walk of faith sometimes doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? And where we've been and what we, I'm going to tell you from 23 years ago, we were called to a walk of faith. I didn't realize all of this as much as I do now. I didn't realize it then. But I'm going to tell you, when I look back, I go, wow, what a ride. What a wonderful ride. And it makes me, all I think about is, wow, what does he have ahead of us? What does he have ahead of us? Now, now over these last two years, we did. We stopped, and honestly, we probably more so than I can ever say I've done before in my life, we took one step at a time. We would seek after and, and, and get one word from the Lord at a time. We would get one confirmation from the Lord at a time, and then one testimony. You see, it, and, and it was one step at a time because honestly, it was overwhelming, and, and it was, you know, where are we going? What are we? All these questions were, were rising up, and we would just be reminded just one step. One step of faith. The walk of faith is just the multiple of one step, one step, one step. Isaiah 28, 13 is um, one of my favorite passages for my whole Christian and ministry life. And I come back to it because it reminds me of what the walk of faith is. And Isaiah 28, 13, listen to these words. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That's the walk of faith. 
Don't worry about what comes 10 miles down the road. Don't worry about what's coming around the corner. That, the world is going to worry about that stuff. All we know is I live for the precept. I live for the line. I live for that next word. I live for that next leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's the walk of faith. That's the way God leads us. And I believe our, our last and final our last and final lesson here has been from these two years, this walk of faith. I've told people, I've learned more about walking in faith these last two years than I have my entire life. And I hope you have too. This, this last and final lesson at New Life, I believe has been how to walk in faith. Amen? So I want you to turn, I told you to turn to 2 Corinthians 9. And uh, today we're concluding, uh, we're concluding the message series, Vision and Values. Vision and Values is about us looking forward to this next adventure, to what it's the vision and values of Jesus Church and, and, and the vision and values, if you will, of this blue train. Always remember vision, vision is where you're going. You, you know, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Why? Because they don't know where they're going. You know, their vision is where you're going. Sometimes we don't know. We walk it in faith. But if you don't have a vision of, of the next step or whatever, the Bible says we perish. Vision is where you're going. Values are the train tracks that keep us from getting off track. Values are the guardrails that keep us focused on the vision. Are you hearing me? Okay, So over the last few weeks and months, we've been preparing our hearts to become part of Jesus' church by teaching and learning and growing in these vision and values. So the first thing is, is uh, our mission at Jesus' church is we exist to point people to Jesus. Say that with me. We exist to point people to Jesus. How many of you think you can do that? How many of you think that's kind of the vision and values of the Bible, <laughs> right? We live and we exist to point people to Jesus, amen? And so for this to happen, for us to reach that as our vision or our, our mission, we have to have a set of, of values that we are united around and that we are all committed, core values that will shape everything we do and keep us on track to the vision God has for us. Amen? And so over the last few weeks, we've looked at five of these core values. And I'm just going to read them off to remind you of them. The first one was Jesus is our lead story. How many know he's the only story? And the true believer and the follower, Jesus is the only story. Then the second was people are our passion. How many know that the Bible says, for God so loved the world? God so loved people that he sent his only son. So if God loves people, we need to love people. Amen? People are our passion. Buildings are not our passion. Things are not our passion. People are our passion. Amen? Then the third was diversity is our strength. How many know the diversity of the church should look just like heaven? When you go into heaven, or if you get a glimpse of heaven, the diversity you see in heaven should be reflected in the church. 
Are you hearing me? Diversity is our strength. The fourth was faith is our MO, our mode of operation. We live by faith. How many know we've got a good lesson to build on in this walk of faith from what God has led us through these last two years. We have a good lesson of faith and a good foundation, and faith is our MO. Amen? Last Sunday, Pastor Shadrach, how many enjoyed Pastor Shadrach and, and Heather and Elijah and Ella being here? Wasn't it wonderful? I tell you, I just, I love them so much. They're, they're like our own children. They're children of this house. They're son and daughter of this house. And I don't want to ever lose, lose connection and relationship with them. No matter how far they move away, I always want to be connected to them. By the way, uh, a lot of the stuff you see instruments, equipment, chairs, are going to Jesus' church with us. Uh, the drum cage is going to Jesus' church because they need a drum cage, okay? But they, didn't, they have four sets of drums, so they said, we don't need the drums. So I was like, they said, you can sell them or whatever. Well, last Sunday, Pastor Shadrach says, Pastor, what are you doing with the drums? He says, can I buy them for Elijah? And I said, no, you cannot. But we're going to give that set of drums to Elijah. Amen? And so we're sowing into another generation a set of drums, and I believe that's going to be amazing and awesome, right? Amen? And so uh, when, when our youth go to, uh, go to Beach Freak, the youth, uh, the youth camp, uh, Nate is going to take the drums by Tallahassee and give them to Elijah. Amen? I think that's awesome. Amen. And so, uh, so last Sunday, Pastor Shadrach's message was humility is our pursuit. How many know we serve God by serving people? A lot of people get confused. They think we serve God by worship. Well, we, we worship God by worship. But if you want to serve God, you have to serve people. I'm going to say it again. If you want to serve God, if your heart is to serve God, you do that by serving God people. If you're not serving people, I question whether you're serving God. Are you hearing me? Okay, so that was humility is our pursuit. The title of my message today is the capstone, and capstone means the final culmination our final piece. It's the capstone. I, I believe it's the capstone of the series but I believe it's the capstone for a lot of things today. So the title of my message, The Capstone. There's a, uh, the reason I thought about this is there's this new building being built out uh, off Taylor Road towards where we live. And, um, and it's probably 25 or 30 feet tall. And, and they, they started putting up, it's made of concrete blocks. So they started putting these concrete blocks. And every day when I'd go back and forth and front, I'd watch them you know, put these blocks up. And as they built the wall, they would put uh, like braces on the inside of the wall to keep those walls from falling down because they were tall. They would build them in rows. But then a couple weeks ago, they added at the top, you could see they put forms at the top and they poured concrete. It's called the capstone. And then they could take the braces down and the capstone was designed to hold the walls together, to hold everything together that they had just built. So today's message is like that. It's the capstone of this series, Vision and Values. But it's the capstone of our ministry here at New Life. 
It's the capstone of that. But the interesting thing about a capstone is a capstone, if you look up the definition, the capstone is the top. It's what holds it together. But it also, the definition says it's a foundation. It's a foundation for what comes next. So the capstone is the capstone. It's the culmination of the wall. It holds it together. But on top of that wall goes a roof structure that is the next step. And the, found, and the capstone becomes that foundation. So that's what God has put on my heart to share with you today is the, the capstone. It's the capstone of what we have done over these 23 years, but it's the foundation of what we're getting ready to do. Amen? So 2 Corinthians, I'm finally getting there. I did tell you 2 Corinthians, right? Chapter 9, verse 6. Listen to these. Remember this. This is the Lord telling you, remember what he's about to share with us, okay? So this is something you want to remember. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, I'm going to stop right there because most people are thinking, oh, he's talking about money. No. The biggest mistake of Christians is they believe this passage is just about money. No, it's about everything. I want you to hear me. It's not just about money. It's about everything in your life. So listen to again. That's why he says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, I love that word, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he, listen to these words, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Father, I pray, Lord, today... Lord, I pray that today you would take these words and you would bring them to a new place in each of our hearts and minds, Lord, that you would use these words to cause us to see way beyond just financial means, way beyond, Lord, that we will see how this applies to every area of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Dr. Dale was uh, here a few weeks ago and actually, Dr. Dale will be here next week. He's going to uh, be re-preaching next Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday, so make sure you don't forget about next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. But Dr. Dale was a few, here a few weeks ago and shared a word for new life 
uh, as we begin to move and transition into, uh, into Jesus' church. And I believe these, this three-part word is part of the capstone for this season, and it's part of the foundation for the next season for all of us as new life. And I believe it incorporates the vision and values of Jesus' church. And so I want to share this three-part word along with the final three values of the vision and values message. So we're going to be talking about three of the final values. Everybody with me? Okay. Is it okay if we go a little bit later today? Okay, your roast won't burn in the oven, will it? The restaurant, uh, I will just call ahead and tell them to save us a seat. <laughs> okay, but... The final word to Dr. De- that Dr. Dale gave us, the, the first word, was pray passionately. Say that with me, pray passionately. Now, I'll tell you, we've always been a church, a people of passionate prayer. Our name to begin with, the name of our church to begin with was a house of prayer. And we, we, when we built the building or did remodel it, we put it on the awning out front, and it, was, it said a house of prayer. We later changed our name. It became New Life Church, but it has always been and is today and will always be a house of prayer because the church is a house of prayer. Now, this last year when the hurricanes rolled through, they blew our awning away, but Pastor Lisa took this one part of it and she cut it out, and they get, she gave it to me a few weeks ago. And so that is kind of a cornerstone or a capstone to what we do in ministry, right? It's prayer, I would say. But for 23 years, we have been a house of prayer, people praying passionately. Dr. Dale's word is don't quit. Continue to be people of passionate prayer. And, but prayer... Prayer is more than just talking with God. A lot of times you ask people what is prayer, they'll say talking with God. No, it's more than just talk. It's more than bringing your request before God. Prayer is an attitude of your heart. The Bible teaches us that it is what, that prayer flows out of your heart. Uh, Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many know the mouth speaks based on what's in your heart? How many know prayer, prayer flows out of your heart? Proverbs 4, 23 says, out of the heart are the issues of life. How many know the issues of your life are already in your heart and they flow out of your heart? John 7, 38 says, out of your heart flow rivers of living water. Now think of this. Right now in your heart, there's all the other issues of life, all the past, all the issues, all the troubles and difficulties that God wants to come and heal, remove, take out. Why? So only the rivers of living water remain. Are you hearing me? I believe that's a miracle that many of us need. It's a word we need to hear because it says, out of your heart flow rivers of living water out of your heart. The sixth value of Jesus' church that we want to see today is that of authenticity. Of authenticity. The value is authenticity is our approach. Now, how does that tie in with prayer? The authentic you is not how you see yourself in a mirror. The authentic you is not what you want yourself to be. The authentic you is what is right now in your heart. 
Yeah, you're hearing me. What is in your heart is truly the authentic you. That's why the Bible tells us to know your heart, to guard your heart. But that's also why the Bible teaches us, allow the Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit into your heart because the, the Holy Spirit will change your heart, will change your life, and that now becomes the issue. The Holy Spirit becomes the issue of your, of your heart. And the Holy Spirit causes you to have rivers of living water that flow from your heart. Are you hearing me, church? Authenticity means living life with, trans with, with transparency and integrity. Most people don't live authentic lives because they really, truly are not transparent to themselves. Ooh, that's tough, isn't it? But authenticity means living in integrity and living in transparency within your own heart, okay? From the beginning, the very beginning of, of what we are doing with Jesus Church, from the very beginning, the Lord gave us a word as to, to guide us through the whole process, and that was to do it with, an, with honor, integrity, and faith. Honor, integrity. Every time, every decision we've made, we keep coming back and we keep matching up. Is this being done with honor? Is this being done with integrity? Is this being done in faith? I'm gonna tell you something. There's a lot of things that we haven't known what to do, how to do them. And there are still things we don't know. We're walking it out in faith. That's why God's gonna bless it. See? Let, as a church, folks, as we move into this, as we move across, out of the green train, across this, this, this platform, onto the blue train, let's be real. Be real. Don't go to Jesus' church not being real with who you are. Be true to what is in your heart. Go to Jesus' church to, and be transparent and be true and, and, and be full of integrity about where we're going in this. Amen? Can we do that? Can we continue to be people of passionate prayer? We, as New Life Now, Jesus Church Later, we need passionate people of prayer. Amen? The second word that Dr. Dale gave us was work tirelessly. One of the highest values I was raised with in my home growing up was my parents raised us to have a good work ethic, to work hard, to know that life comes to those who are willing to work hard. Work ethic means love what you do. Listen to this. Love what you do. Work hard at it. Give it your all. Do a good job and get things done. That's what work ethic is. Finish strong. Get things done. Love what you do. Work hard at it. Give it your all and do a good job and get things done. Get things accomplished. In the Garden of Eden, a lot of people think work was a result of the fall of men. Go back and read Genesis. When God put man in the garden, he said, I want you to tend the garden. In other words, he, there was a work ethic that God imparted to people. The fall of man created a difficulty in your work. But God created us and put in the garden a work ethic. We're all called to, to, to tend his garden to work. 
Sin will make it more difficult, because it did, but still we're called to work. And, uh, you know, God always intended us to have a good work ethic in the church. The seventh value of Jesus' church that I want you to hear is fun is how we function. Can you say that with me? Fun is how we function. How many want to have fun on this ride? Amen? We work hard is their value, but we play hard. We work hard and we play hard. There's an old, there's an old song that uh, says, whistle while you work. Anybody remember that? Whistle while you work. <laughs> and, uh, you know, work is intended to be fun. How many of you ever had a job or thing you had to do that you didn't want to do? You hated doing it. I, I don't want to do this. It's, it's a lot harder to have a good work ethic in an environment where you don't want to be doing it or you don't like what you're, you're doing, okay? So verse 7 here in 2 Corinthians, verse 7 goes on to say, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what kind of giver? A cheerful. Now, what he's talking here is God should, should, we should give or we should sow. Our work is sowing. Our hard work is sowing in the kingdom. We should sow according to what is in our heart, the authentic self we sow based upon what we've already, what is already in our heart. And that he says, that we should not do it reluctantly or because we're forced to. We should do it because we love to do it and be joyful about doing it. That's what he's telling us here. God loves those who give and work with joy. God loves those who sow with joy. You don't sow reluctantly or compulsively. Like, I got to give this. Or, you know, oh, here they go talking about money again. Or here talking about serving. Or talking about do this. God doesn't want people that are reluctant about it or under compulsion. He wants people that are joyful. We get to serve. We get to give. I get to, to tithe. Those are blessings, and we should be filled with joy over that. Psalms 126.5 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Think of it this way. Those who work hard, lay your life down, are going to sow in joy. Amen? Are you catching this, church? Okay. So let's all decide right now that we're going to go working hard. We're going to show up and say, hey, I'm, I'm here, man. I've, I'm here to work hard. I'm here to sow diligently. But also, I'm here to have fun. we got to have some fun. Next, next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, by the way. It's not 5 o'clock. Originally, it was set at 5. But some, through some things, we changed it to 6 o'clock. Next Sunday evening is... Jesus Church is throwing us a party called Welcome to the Church Party. Amen? And it's going to be fun. They're going to have food. We're going to get to meet people, connect with people, help. It's kind of like that big train door opening up. We get to come in, and we get to meet people, and they'll say, hey, let me show you what I do. Let me, let me, let me come sit next to me. You see what I'm saying? So make sure, make sure that you put on your calendar that, that we're going to have a good time next week. Amen? It's, it's going to be a great beginning. The last word that Dr. Dale gave us was give generously. Give generously. Now, how many know when you talk about give, it's not just about your money, your time, your love, 
your care. There's all money is part of it. Your resources are a part of it. And you know the, the the Bible is filled with illustrations of giving, and many of them about giving in a multitude of ways. But God knows the stronghold that money has on most believers, on most people, not just believers, not just followers of Jesus. And God knows that that is one of those things in each of our hearts that has got to be cleared out. We've got to learn. We've got to learn that he who gives seed to the sower, he who gives seed to, where did it come from to begin with? It came from God. If we view it that way, it's not mine. Amen? So the first thing we remember in this giving generously, I told you this last week, tithing's not giving. Say that with me. Tithing is not giving. Okay? Tithing is obedience. And the Bible says obedience is even better than sacrifice. Obedience is better. When we speak of giving, we're not talking about tithing. Don't confuse those. Change it in your mind forever. Leviticus 27.30 says, All the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. All the tithe belongs to the Lord. You can't give what doesn't belong to you. And if you have that mindset, if that becomes a value in your life, you'll never violate that principle of God. Amen? My wife will tell you, both of us, we can't wait when we get paid or we have income come in. We can't wait to bring the tithe. That's why we often say, the Bible says, it doesn't say give the tithe, doesn't say pay the tithe. The Bible says bring the tithe. Why? Because it already belongs to God. God's entrusted it to us, and so we bring it to him. Amen? The eighth value of Jesus' church is generosity is our response. Now, understand, he's not, they're not talking about tithe. It's talking about generosity, being generous. If you're talking about tithe, I'd say obedience or faithfulness. But here, it's generosity is our response. Tithing is obedience to Christ. Generosity is our response to what Christ has done in our lives. What's Jesus done for you in your life? Stop and think about that in your heart for a moment. Generosity is our response to what he's already done in our life. So I'm going to go back in 2 Corinthians 9 and listen to these words. We'll talk about these for a little bit here. Everybody still okay? Okay, we're not looking at the clock, right? Okay. 2 Corinthians 9 says, and God is able, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, sorry, and God is able, God is able, always remember those words. You come to a place in your life, you go, man, this is an impossible situation. No, God is able. You, you can I'll put that on every situation. God is able, God is able. And God is able to make how much grace? All, all grace, all, all that there exists, all the grace that exists. He's able to make all grace abound to you so that in how many things? All things, that includes everything, at all times, okay, there's no hidden times, whatever, all times, having all that you need. How many know God wants you to have all you need? Are you hearing me? So he tells us there. He said, all that you need, you will abound in every good what? Work. In every good work. Verse 10. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. The Lord spoke to me the other day and he says, you're in the season of harvest. I believe for new life, for all of us, this is a season of harvest. If we believe that God has so much more, I mean, right now we're just seeing just so many wonderful things that are just miracles taking place. And we look at them, and the Lord said the other day, he says, you're in the season of harvest. This is harvest season. Now, I have probably been working harder than I have in years. I mean, hours and hours. What does the farmer do during harvest season? Work hard. I'll tell you, church, this is the season we need to work hard. I'll tell you, the, the extent, the extent of your harvest is dependent on the work you put in to, to bring the harvest in. God's going to open more doors to you of harvest as you, be, as you are willing to work to bring the harvest in. Are you, are you with me? So now he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. Wait a minute. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be what? What's the purpose of being made rich? To be generous. God created rivers of living water. Rivers. We're to be flowing. Generosity is part of the flowing of God making us rich in every way. Are you hearing me, church? Okay? So you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God, it's a response. If you remember, generosity is our response for what God has done to us. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come on up. Generosity is our response for what he's done in our lives. When we think of the goodness of God, what does it do in you? It causes you to be filled with thanksgiving. It causes you to worship and fall on knees. But does it cause you to be generous? When you think of what God has done for you, does it say, man, I, I just want to find a place to sow more seed. I want to be generous. I want to give. Are you hearing me, church? Okay, is the time you know, too late that you, you, you kind of can't hear anymore? No, no, come on, okay? So here's what I want to tell you, this last final value. Let's be known for our faithfulness and generosity. Don't stop being faithful and generous because we're moving from one train to another. This new train needs, needs everything that God has put within your heart to do. This new train needs all your generosity and faithfulness. God has called us to be people of generosity and faithfulness as we get on this train. Amen? I'm going to close with this, with verse 7 in, in 2 Corinthians 9. It says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We stand at the beginning of a new era in our lives. I want you to decide today, close your eyes, I want you to ponder in your own heart. He said, each man should do, think of it this way, each man should do what he has decided. That word can also be settled. Each man should do what he has already settled in his heart to do. As we stand at the, the beginning at the, of this new era in our lives, let's decide today. Let's invite God in to change areas of our life that are not aligned with his, his will, his purposes. Let's decide today, settle in our hearts how God is leading us in this new adventure. So I want to I pray with you. But my prayer is all about these three things. Let's pray passionately and be authentic. Let's work tirelessly and have lots of fun together. Let's be faithful in obedience, and generosity. Let it be our response to the joy of what we've experienced in our lives. And so, Father, I, I pray that, Lord, over every person. I pray that as we are closing this out, I said earlier that each of us should ponder in our hearts and give, give our hearts, open our hearts to the Lord. And today I believe that as you do, you're going to see, you're going to see miracles begin to take place. But I think that what God is saying to us, church, is if you want to see the harvest, if you want to experience the harvest of what we've sown, let him come in and change your heart today. And so, Father, that's our prayer. If that's you today and you're saying, Lord, change my heart, just kind of put your hands up like this, and like in a receiving mode. And just pray this prayer, and then we're going to sing a final song. And, but just simply pray, Lord Jesus, I invite you in my heart today. Come in my heart and life. Transform my thinking. Transform my heart today to be all you created it to be, to do all you created me to do. Lord, open my eyes, Lord, to see the harvest that you have for me. And Father, we just will give you praise and will give you honor and glory today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, let's just stand and just sing this one last song together.